What's up, NBA fans? We're 49 days away from the start of the 2021-2022 NBA season. And it's also been a couple weeks since Sean and I have hit the mic and threw down a new podcast for everybody. But we're back. Summer League is over. Don't really remember who the champion was. I don't think there was much Summer League action this year, but that's okay. With 49 days left until the start of the new season, we're getting started with our division previews. And this episode, we're breaking down the Central Division preview, uh, home of the Milwaukee Bucks, the Indiana Pacers, the Chicago Bulls, the Cavs, and of course, the Detroit Pistons. All these teams are, in a way, on a comeback. Uh, a lot of them making big moves, notably the the Bulls and the Pacers getting some bodies back hopefully this year, but we'll break all that down for you guys in more this episode. But before we jump in, we got to get through some quick thoughts and any reactions here, Sean, from I guess what you've seen so far this offseason and as we get, get it started on the runway to the new NBA season. Well, let me just, uh, I just want to jog your memory on, on, on the Summer League champion. That would be the Sacramento Kings. Sacramento Kings. There it <laughs> and is. MVP Davion Mitchell. There it is. That's the name. That's the, and I, the reason I, I was thinking of his name because I was like, ah, oh, that guy's name sounds a lot like Donovan Mitchell. Yep, it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that Baylor team. They had D Mitchell and they had Jay Butler on it. Right. So... <laughs> Well, there you go. The Sacramento Kings, Summer League champs. The Milwaukee Bucks are the NBA champs. This a hell of a last four months for small market teams, you could say. But <laughs> yeah, you know, it's fitting with that we're going back to the Bucks today. Then yeah, it is, and I'm excited to talk about that team and all the other Central Division teams. But let's start off here with my boy Laurie Markinen, man. Mm. In a sign and trade, he finally finds a new home. He gets signed to a four-year, sixty million dollar deal. Uh, with with the Cleveland Cavaliers, and in return, the Bulls get Derek Jones Jr. in a 2022 first round pick from Portland, and the Blazers get Larry Nance Jr. Laurie Markkinen was a name that we've consistently brought up on several podcast episodes, just because, <laughs> man, he was so good. I feel like just three years ago when this guy first started, and it really seemed like he was going to find himself in sort of that restricted free agency purgatory where he really doesn't have a home with a team that he's currently on maybe doesn't really want him and nobody else in the league is willing to take a swing for him but the Cavaliers do here late in the fourth quarter here for in the offseason perspective for Laurie Markkinen and bring him home Larry Nance Jr. goes to Portland and the Bulls get Derek, Derek Jones Jr. I mean this is an interesting one in that you essentially swap Larry Nance for a power forward who may be better um, the Bulls get a first rounder and they get another piece to to put on the bench. But Derek Jones Jr. also didn't have quite the great year, I think, for Portland. I think he's still kind of a little unknown of what, what he could actually become in this league. But how are you looking at this trade, John? Any winners really from here? I mean, it's pretty baffling when you look <laughs> at it. It's It's like, well, for one, does anybody know how Lori Markinen fits into this Cavs yeah. roster. And that's right. the big question. And you sign him to a long-term deal for a, a not a non-irrelevant amount of money. Like this is what? $16 million a year, basically. And is he going to start? Is he going to be a very expensive bench player? And what lineup does he fit into? I, I just don't really understand this move. 
for a team that still has Kevin Love on the roster, by the way, just because you got rid of Larry Nance, that power forward position is still very highly contested. And reportedly, Kevin Love does not want a buyout. Yeah. And there's no way in hell anyone's trading for Kevin Love's $30 million a year contract. So now you have to figure out, like, am I just going to waste $30 million and not play Kevin Love? Or am I just going to waste this deal I just made and not play Laurie Markin? And it's just it doesn't even make sense to me. And it's like, are you going to start him alongside Evan Mobley and Jared Allen? I don't see how that could work. I mean, there's been reports that people have been joking that uh, you got point guard Laurie Markkinen, uh shooting guard Isaac Okoro, then small forward Kevin Love, power forward Evan Mobley, <laughs> center Jared Allen, and just put out the tallest lineup you could possibly think of. And then you got and, Taco off the bench. Oh, yeah, they got Taco. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, this is, I don't, I have no idea how this works for the Cavs. If anything, it's a desperation move to take a home run, try to get a home run on a guy that his career seems to have really faded since his rookie year. The fit really makes no sense to me with their current roster construction. They probably felt like they just had no chance at any other free agents. It still doesn't make sense. I I think you just have to cut your losses and and try another year like this really doesn't make any sense for them. Yeah, I think for for the other teams in this trade, I think the Bulls like they get a, a solid piece in Derek Jones Jr. And they needed players. I think their bench is still pretty shallow and they have some some holes to still fill after making all the stuff that they did this offseason, which we'll talk about later. Getting a 2022 first round pick ain't bad either. Mm-hmm. And then Portland, Portland gets Larry Nance Jr., who is a big upgrade for them from Derek Jones Jr. Right. And the power forward position, that's one that they really needed to shore up for their team. So I think that's a great move for the Blazers. I mean, we always talk about this every offseason. They always make small incremental moves to improve their team. And we really didn't see much from their camp until we get this move. So I, I'm thinking that Larry Nance is going to be a pretty impactful player for the blazers and derrick jones jr will be okay for the bulls and marketing is going to be a disaster for the Cavs. <laughs> yeah i i feel so bad for this guy and maybe i'm just a homer for marketing because i really like this player his first year when he was out there um but the Cavs, the way i see it kind of the way you mentioned it sean it's like it just feels like they're just going out there and trying to get the best player they can. And yeah. I'm not sure that's probably not very complimentary that Laurie Markinen is the best player they were able to get. <laughs> but that's who they got. Uh, they signed Jared Allen. They extended him. And they still have Kevin Love on the roster. So there is a big unknown here on how Markinen fits in here. And he might have just signed a bad deal. It just further hinders his career moving forward by taking this deal with the Cats. But at the end of the day, he gets a big payday. And... We have yet to see what the Cavaliers are going to do with all with all these players they have. I don't know. Maybe they are going to realistically shop for Kevin Love once the season gets going. And if we get closer to the trade deadline, maybe we'll see Kevin Love get moved. But I I don't know. I don't. I don't. I'm not. I'm not really understanding what this this franchise is doing. <laughs> yeah, it it makes no sense to me. I mean, maybe the Bulls really sold them. In, in the sign and trade offer i i don't know maybe yeah maybe there's just some fancy language being thrown around but yeah calves will be calves man the 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 brawnless era continues to be piss poor yeah exactly so 
it's not even like these are bad players. It's sort of just the again the pieces just don't seem to fit together. But this is yeah. a, this is a gamble the Cavaliers are willing to take, and we'll <laughs> see where it goes. But on to LA. Rajon Rondo mm. is back <laughs> in LA after being bought up by the Grizzlies. Interesting enough, one of the Laker beat writers that I follow wrote an article of how over the last three years the Grizzlies have sort of become a farm team for the Lakers. <laughs> And that they, uh, they they make these trades and they get these players back. And instead of, you know, putting them on waivers and making a team pick them up to, to take <laughs> on their contract, they just buy them out. And these players end up going to the Lakers. Dwight Howard okay, was I traded see, to the Cavaliers. So Pau Gasol is obviously like the first grizzlies yeah. to lakers thing but yeah yeah go yeah what what else have they have the grizzlies done for them so i'm trying to remember off the top of my head but dwight howard was the one that happened this offseason as well dwight howard through all the trades he was coming out ended up on the grizzlies and then he, he got did i thought so what i do not remember that <laughs> maybe i'm remembering the name wrong but anyways i'll pull that up maybe and and, okay. and refresh myself with these names but rondo essentially that's the situation traded to the cat traded to the Grizzlies could have easily been thrown to the waivers by the Grizzlies. And then some other team would have to commit to fulfilling his contract, but instead they buy him out. And now he's back on the Lakers <laughs> on a one year minimum deal. The dude gets his full contract paid out and he gets a little more on top from the Lakers. But Oh man, I, I like this deal. I, I welcome Rondo back. He, he was a good player and to not have to pay him $6 million to be back on the roster. I take that as a big win. Yeah, I mean, you can talk about too the average age going up for this team again. Yeah. <laughs> Rondo, what what is Rondo? Thirty five years old. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mean, hey, I mean, it's still a good move for the Lakers, despite you're increasing your average age again. This now makes seven former All Stars, former or current All Stars, on this Laker team, which I don't think's really been done since like. I think 1986 or 1987 um, with that Celtic squad with like Larry Bird and all them. So, I mean, take that for what you will. That was a pretty damn good team. So is this one. Uh, it's just, it's funny that the path Rondo was able to take to get back to the Lakers because I mean, obviously it was on the Clippers team. Clippers traded him to the Grizzlies and then the Grizzlies, they, I mean, they traded Pat Beverly who we also traded to them and then they just drop Rondo. So they essentially traded Eric Bledsoe for Jarrett Culver and Juan Herman Gomez, <laughs> which I, I don't think that makes any sense at all. <laughs> it all ends up being really nothing. You're taking a huge home run swing on Jarrett Culver, former lottery pick hasn't really done anything. Uh, and yeah, I think Rondo, I mean, as far as, his like last few years have gone. The Lakers have really been the one destination that's really been able to make his skill set work. And I think it's a combination of LeBron being there, obviously, and and all the veterans there. And I I think they're going to use him pretty well. And man, it's not not a bad addition to a team that was already looking like a championship team. Yeah. So I got that list. Here's the okay. list. <laughs> Avery Bradley had a two million dollar ah. left on his contract. <laughs> Memphis bought him out. Yeah. Lay, gave the opportunity for the Lakers to sign him. Mm. Dwight Howard also. So I was right it about was Dwight, Dwight Howard. Howard. Dwight I Howard do not remember all, that. Through all the maneuvering that has happened, you know, back in the summer, 
he found his way in Memphis, <laughs> bought out Weird. for $3 million, signed to the Lakers for two. <laughs> Dion Waiters had a $12 Dion million dollar contract that was bought out by the Grizzlies and signed with the Lakers <laughs> for half a million. Oh, gosh. Rondo bought out for 7.5, mm-hmm. just signed for the minimum $2 million. So here, here, here's the breakdown. The Grizzlies have paid... $34 million to four players to essentially go join the Lakers for an estimated $10 million in salary. Wow. That's quite the stat. That's quite the dollars. That is, yeah. I mean, what? Man, they just must not have that Sam Presti magic of being able to turn these guys into assets. They're just, they're just dropping them, paying them out, and then, yeah, they're just, I'll go over to the best team. <laughs> yeah, because these are guys you could easily just throw to waivers and some other. I get. I guarantee some t- some one of those got, teams would have picked one of these. Maybe not Dion Waiters, but I yeah. think Dwight Howard, Rondo, or any of these dudes would have been picked up Avery by another Bradley? team. Yeah, I think Avery mm-hmm. Bradley would definitely get picked up. But <laughs> yeah, well, Memphis and the Lakers definitely have some a, a lot of good transaction history over the last decade or so. Yeah. So I don't know. Let's bring. Bring the Memphis Grizzlies. We got to move them out of Memphis or else they're just going to keep being the second rated division team for the Lakers. <laughs> Jaw's going to bring it back, man. This is going to be his year. Yeah, let's see how it goes. Uh, ben Simmons, the Ben Simmons drama continues here with the Sixers. He's done with the team and will reportedly not report to training camp. I mean, I'm not, I'm not surprised. Like I'm the, the things that were said publicly about this guy <laughs> on TV. And I mean, the whole league has basically been sort of, you know, laying it onto this, onto Ben Simmons, you yeah. know, partly deserved before his performance. I think he just needs a strong reset him and the Sixers both do. And reports are that Ben Simmons is looking to move to the West coast. But at this point for some reports to come out this clear about it, it's a little too late. I think this should have been, if he was gonna, if he was gonna be so, if this is really coming from his camp, if he was gonna be this upfront, I think, you know, back in May would have been a better time to be, maybe not May, back in late June, July would have been a better mm-hmm. time to just frankly be upfront with this. Yeah, and and the issue is now is that once this report gets out, his trade values diminishes significantly. So oh, any yeah. returns that yeah that Daryl Morey is looking to get for Ben Simmons, it's cut in half essentially like i know he already had this crazy vision that ben simmons was worth like as much as james harden or anthony davis he isn't spoiler alert but that's what he was asking for and that was already unrealistic and now you have to even temper those expectations back even more it's going to be very interesting to see what they can even get for him because i mean if you don't get something you're satisfied with, are you literally just going to hold him and just not play him as you just ride the bench until he gets traded? I I just don't really understand what they're going to do now. I mean, you, you have like interested teams, according to the media being blazers, Kings, Timberwolves. I just don't see any of these teams giving up one of their like franchise core players for Ben Simmons. Like at, at most, I feel like the blazers gives up CJ and the Kings maybe give up Buddy Heald. And I don't even know who the hell the Timberwolves would give up for him. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like you you're going to keep Russell. Maybe I think they want to keep Russell at Towns and Anthony Edwards. 
I, I think that they truly Definitely believe that's a core. Definitely won't move Anthony Edwards. Oh, hell no. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and it's not like the the Sixers are going to need Carl Anthony Towns. They haven't beat. So I, I honestly have no idea what they can even get for Simmons at this point or who can give them a trade offer that they're happy with. So this this might take a while still. I, I just don't know who's going to budge first. Yeah, that would be kind of crazy. I mean, CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons... That might be the best deal you can get at this point. Uh, Maybe, yeah. I think uh, it's a solid deal. It's not a bad deal, but it's not a great deal. It's definitely yeah, not James six, Harden. Do you even want CJ McCollum if you're the Sixers? Like you already have like Seth Curry there and Danny Green. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's he's still a good player, so I think you'd want to fit him. And I think the addition of a guy who actually wants to be there is still better than a guy who doesn't want to be there. Um, yeah. So. I think I would do the CJ McCollum for the Timberwolves. I think the Timberwolves maybe offered D'Angelo Russell at best. <laughs> and I'm yeah. not sure that's, that's a deal I would want if I'm the Sixers. I try to right. egg the, the CJ McCollum, but yeah, man, this is just a disaster. And if you're a team that's seriously can, can wanting to be a contender and you should be, it's tough to write a season with a guy like that on the bench with so much value mm-hmm. who's commanding, I don't know, 20% of your cap with his salary. It's got to be yeah. around 20%. Yeah, no, he's getting the max, yeah. Yeah, so that's such a tough item to just kind of put on the shelf and not really do much <laughs> with it. Uh, you know, it's bad It's bad for everybody. Bad, bad for Ben Simmons' career, bad for the 76ers. So hopefully something, some movement happens soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, it will definitely be an exciting trade, no matter what happens. It will it will change franchises' outlooks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll we'll see where let's see where it falls. But moving on, central division previews over more to sort of greener pastures are the Milwaukee Bucks, <laughs> who are probably still celebrating their NBA championship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think Giannis hasn't slept yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Some of these guys, Chris Middleton right now is celebrating a gold medal and an NBA championship. I mean, much yeah, needed Drew rest. Too. Yeah, Drew Holiday as well. Almost forgot about this guy. But uh, I, I, frankly, you know, though, I'm sure the Bucks are are celebrating and everything. But I was a, I was a bit disappointed at, about the lack of offseason moves. But Sean, you you want to break it down? You want to break what the Bucks did here? Yeah, I mean, how how are you going to be disappointed? Like, what do you want them <laughs> to do? They have like eighty five percent of their cap stuck between three players. <laughs> I, don't know. I, I would have loved to have seen some creativity here to to get the get the get, the get the get <laughs> no the abs more excited. I don't oh know. I'm not really loving these <laughs> additions of the additions here were George Hill, Grayson Allen, Ronnie Hood, and Semi. Oh, holy Ojale. Oh, yeah. Ojale. Um, yeah. I mean, I think these are pretty good additions for this team who didn't have a lot of room to work with in the first place. I mean, they get George Hill, Rodney Hood, Semi Ojale on cheap contracts. They're all decent role players. And then Grayson Allen, they actually got in a trade from Memphis for Sam Merrill, a guy named Sam Merrill, and then a couple of second rounders. 
like set future second round picks. So I mean, more questionable Memphis moves being made here, just giving up <laughs> like a core rotation piece, whatever. But I, I Grayson Allen, I think is a pretty good addition. And I think the big departure them for them, those is, is PJ Tucker. Yeah. Um, go, goes on that two year, $15 million deal with the heat. And you also lose your, your uh, one of your better shooters and Bryn Forbes. And then the aforementioned Sam Merrill, um, they drafted, like i think 54 and 60 in the draft and they're like two of the most hard to pronounce names i didn't even <laughs> want to like type them uh, give it so, to me i'll take it i'll take my, a crack at yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> send it to our our legendary pronouncer over there um, yeah. yeah i'm not even gonna it would be injustice if i tried to pronounce these guys names so i won't try but i don't think they're ever gonna play anyways so that's fine um, and then and then they re-signed Bobby Portis, which I think was a big one for them. So overall, overall, yeah. I think with what they had to work with, you really th- is that too bad? I, I think that's OK. I think it's disappointing. I'm not going to lie. Oh, PJ well, Tucker, what are you looking for exactly? I, <laughs> I, I, I think I was really hoping that they were going to bring on another perimeter defender and mm. or another shooter. But they essentially just kind of put their put 75% of their offseason cards into bringing back Portis and getting Grayson Allen, which I think Grayson Allen is essentially Allen's a good shooter. He's a good shooter. He's essentially just replacing Forbes. Um, yeah. So I think that PJ Tucker loss and not really getting a close equivalent to him is going to hurt this team a little bit. Uh, and we're not really going to be able to see that. In, I think until we get into the playoffs, I think they'll, they'll ride it fine through the regular season, but PJ Tucker, I mean, I'm a little stunned that he ended up getting this two year, $15 million, but at the same time, man, he, he deserved it. He was a big piece he's in the playoffs yeah, yeah. He's, and he's an NBA champ, but the yeah. crowd favorite is back. Bobby's back. Bob, Bobby is back, man. <laughs> he's a good player. I think that that was probably their priority one. If I'm being honest, I mean, he, he's still a good age. Um, he loves Milwaukee. They, he found a home there very quickly. And for PJ Tucker, I mean, this guy's 36 years old. Yeah, so right. they're thinking if he wants a two year deal, like, is he actually going to be able to keep up anymore? They probably thought no. Uh, but then the other thing I think is like early in the playoffs, this team lost Dante DiVincenzo, who was another key piece for them. And honestly, I think that him coming back and, and playing through the whole season and hopefully doesn't get hurt in the playoffs again. I think that between him, Grayson Allen, I think that makes up for PJ Tucker and obviously they don't play the same positions, but Dante does fill a role for this team where I, I think that he can still make a good difference for them. And he's still very young. He's developing. And it's why I have him as my X factor for this team, because you don't have that PJ Tucker guy. You don't know how much you can rely on these new role players. They added. So Dante DiVincenzo is going to have to step it up. And he he vastly improved his three point shooting last season. I believe he's up to thirty nine percent, which is really good. Um, mm-hmm. And in today's NBA, that's like almost considered average at this point. But it is very good. Um, and coming off that ankle surgery, how much is he going to be able to produce? I think that's that's going to be a big factor for them. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think he's a he's a he's a solid player, and his presence was definitely missed in the playoffs for the bucks as they were also looking for shooting. But one crazy thing I just looked up, Bobby Portis actually mm-hmm. did shoot 40 
He shot 47% from three during the regular yeah, season. No, that's something that's crazy. I remember seeing that too. I'm like, wait, didn't he finish like top five in three-point shooting uh, for like all players? Yeah, so I, so he did this off two attempts, but still two <laughs> attempts a game and 47. Like, yeah. I think the X factor here is Bobby. Can Bobby Portis get up to four attempts a game shooting forty seven percent from three? It's game over. <laughs> <laughs> that would be crazy. Uh, you know that guy, Lethal Shooter, on YouTube. Yes. The, yeah, I think Bobby Portis was working with Lethal Shooter, and that's okay. probably what's helped him get to that percentage. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, if he does get to shoot more next season, which I mean. There are more minutes in line for him, definitely, with P.J. Tucker out of there. Yeah, I, I think he could get up to four attempts a game. I'm sure they'll encourage him to shoot. I mean, they saw what he could do last year. It's like, they're not dumb. They see the numbers. It's like, this dude's shooting 47%. Like, why wouldn't you let him just let it rain? Yeah, exactly. And I think with the return of DiVincenzo, maybe some development from Bobby Portis. And essentially, the heart of this team still continues to be Drew Holiday, Middleton, Giannis. And just the toughness they bring again. I think this is one of the stats that I remember when we did the their championship episode was like the Milwaukee Bucks were the worst three point shooting team to win a championship <laughs> in like the last 14 years, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they just didn't really. I mean, they needed it at times. They definitely did. It would have probably made some of their close wins a little easier. But at the end yeah. of the day, they relied a lot on just tough defensive play. And just the incredible finesse of Giannis and some of these pieces like DiVincenzo, Portis, and if they would have brought back P.G. Tucker, it would have been nice. Or sort of some of these other nice-to-haves. But definitely the core still is around them. And with Giannis only, what, twenty at 26 years old, there's mm-hmm. still a lot of room for Giannis to potentially grow. And I think I, you know, I said this during the playoff run is, to me, Giannis has all the physical abilities in the world, but... There are so many moments where it feels like his first instinct on the court is never always the right one. It's always maybe just good enough, but it's not great. Not like some of these other guys like Curry, Durant, and LeBron. Um, so I think in the basketball IQ department and and maybe sort of maybe there are obviously other things he could add to his offensive game and he could be even better. So excited to see what he can do there coming this year. Yeah, I mean, now that I'm thinking about it too, it's like you think about what does Giannis need to work on and shooting free throws that all comes up to mind pretty quickly. But I mean, what we saw in the playoffs was Giannis being the best version of himself, not Mm -hmm. really shooting. And obviously the free throws, they came when he needed it to, (laughs) but as far as the shooting goes, it's like, should he care that much about shooting? Because yeah. obviously this version of Giannis is the best Giannis we've seen. This is the MVP Giannis. No one can stop him. Do you care to try to develop a jump shot when your best option is always going to be to just blow past your defender? Like, yeah. I, I just I, that might honestly make him worse if he tries to do more jump shots at this point in his career. He's like 26 years old. Like maybe if you're like 32 and your legs don't move the same way, yeah, you should develop a jump shot. But at this point, I don't even think he should shoot. I think he should just keep working on those post moves, keep mastering them. No one's going to stop him. Yeah, I agree. I think there does come a point where you're sort of spreading your skill set too thin across too many 
too many posts and i think he should just continue to master what he does and to me i think he just needs to continue to be smarter in the game of basketball and sort of add some more yokicness to his game make the right pass Mm -hmm. put his teammates in the right spots Mm -hmm. and leave the shooting in in and crunch time scoring to to your boy Chris Middleton because that guy showed up when you, when they really needed it, and I really see no reason why he won't continue that next year. I mean, he's gotten better every single year, and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets if he gets better this this coming year. Sure, yeah. So I guess the question is: Do we think this team can repeat as a champion? Is it constructed in a way that we think it can repeat? And I. I yeah, what, what, let me hear what you have to say first. Okay. Yeah, so <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't think this team was going to win it last year, sure. but they won it. And <laughs> I just don't think they're going to win it this year either, but I think they'll be in the running. So hmm. do they do they have a team that's constructed that can win? I think so. Uh, will they win? I don't think so. But, you know, if things, you know, once the playoffs start, sort of opportunity or these windows of opportunity open up, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if they're back there in the finals, if the Nets have health issues and the 76ers can't figure out their Ben Simmons situation. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be shocked, but not surprised if the Bucks are back in the NBA finals. Mm-hmm. And, and then depending on who they play up against in the West, I think anything can happen at that point. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Lakers <laughs> are, are the most likely at this point. But yeah, anything can happen. And I think this Bucks team does have the personnel to get back there. I mean, we've seen what Holiday Middleton and Giannis can do with just one season together, you know? Like, Holiday just came on, and they won a championship, and now they get a whole nother year together. I mean, Holiday and Middleton even got to bond even more on the gold medal Olympic run, and now you're just going to have an extra year of chemistry building. I mean, Brooke Lopez is back. I mean, Bobby Portis is back. This team, at its core, that's what you want. You want them to help build that chemistry. It gets stronger every year that you play together. And so, yeah, I I think this team has a shot at at winning another title for sure. I mean, a full a full squad of Nets, a full squad of Lakers are going to make it real tough. But I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, that's why they play the game. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And guess what, Mike Budenholzer. It has a secure job, at least for now. He yeah, resigned. Right. He's got a couple yeah, more that, deals on his contract. That's right. So that man doesn't have to worry about his <laughs> about his job every single night once the playoffs yeah. get started. So hopefully that takes some pressure off of him. But that's a defending champs there. But the Indiana Pacers here are next in their Central Division previews. They added Quiz Duarte with the 13th pick, the Oregon Duck. Uh, very, very safe pick, 24-year-old straight shooter and great perimeter defender defender no no risk really here from the pacers they bring tory craig and i think their bigger offseason acquisition is rick carlisle letting go of mm. nick bajorn and bringing nick rick carlisle pretty quickly after he leaves um dallas from, dallas, from his yeah. job there so seems like there might have been some discussions already happening there but they also lose doug mcdermott um maybe not the biggest loss but in terms of drafting, this, this team did not have a first rounder, but well, they had they, the Duarte. Oh yeah, they had Duarte. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was just a mistake on my part, but <laughs> there's no worries there. The big, yeah. I think my favorite acquisition is they get to bring back 
TJ McConnell, four years, thirty-five million dollars. <laughs> you were so sad when that <laughs> happened. <laughs> well, yeah, it was pretty sad because th- this four-year deal all but guarantees that TJ will finish his best playing days with the Pacers <laughs> here into his thirties. Oh, and I no. always thought TJ would find his way to the Lakers. TJ's. I just... think you're the only person that thought that. <laughs> <laughs> He's just such a solid point guard, such He's a so solid, solid dude off the bench makes the right decision, plays good. He's essentially the Alex Caruso yeah. of <laughs> the Indiana Pacers. Yeah, um, better passer, though. <laughs> yeah, better passer, for sure. Uh, so I think the big story here with the Indiana Pacers, and this is sort of a team I think that's flying really far below the radar in terms of like offseason previews. Mm-hmm. It, it, and, I mean, granted, it, I think it's for for some good reasons, but... When you look at the names, what they have, this projected starting lineup, Malcolm Brogdon, Carice LeVert, TJ Warren, Sabonis, and Miles Turner. You break this down individually. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon is almost a a double-double type guy in terms of assists to points. Carice LeVert has averaged 20 points in his career. TJ Warren had that incredible year, 20 points, 40% shooting off three. Sabonis had an all almost all NBA mm. year, yeah. two time All Star, and Miles Turner led the league in blocks last year and almost won the league in blocks the the year before that. So the great pieces, yeah. This is a team that really doesn't feel like it has a lot of holes. So like, why isn't it ranked any higher? And I think when you hmm. really zoomed in, you realize the big X factor here is is health, and it health could easily be an X factor for every team, but. More so for these guys, they lost Warren all of last year. They lost Miles Turner for 20 games, which with the shortened season was a pretty good chunk. They had Victor Odalipo on the roster. They completely lost him. Caris uh, yeah. Laver almost essentially retired from the NBA last mm-hmm. year. So they have the pieces, but they have struggled with health, with the only solid piece really being Sabonis uh, and TJ McConnell holding it up. But yeah, <laughs> if this team can keep itself together... Um, I can't see why they can't be trending up and trending up in a big way. Even despite all these losses, they were essentially one of the most average teams in the NBA, <laughs> both offensive and defensive rating. But I think with Rick Carlisle coming on board, a better coach, hopefully better team culture and some more health, I, I really could see this team surprising a lot. But I think the the conservative pick for me right now is, and I think this is conservative, is 45 wins. Getting in there at six at the seventh or sixth seed, um, and maybe potentially, you know, surprising some people in the first round or or getting themselves into the fifth seed uh, at best in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I, I mean, all those points are really fair, and I I think the the starting lineup that they have going into the season is is the biggest strength that they have. I mean, right. up and down. I mean, there's no weaknesses on that starting lineup. Those are all great players. And we saw what Sabonis was able to become last year and my, what Miles Turner can be. I know that they've been in a lot of trade conversations. Mm-hmm. All these guys have, except for Sabonis, really. I, you heard about maybe Brogdon getting swapped for Ben Simmons. Right. You heard about Miles Turner getting shopped around quite a bit because they weren't sure if they wanted to, to extend his contract. But as it stands right now, I mean, this is a team built to win a lot of regular season games, I feel. I mean, yeah. we, you have these five plus TJ McConnell. Uh, you bring in this this good rookie shooter. And, and Torrey Craig's always a nice, tough piece to have right. with the new coach. 
a coach that's shown that how much he can win in the past. I I, I like the outlook of this team. I I, I like the Pacers last year, and obviously, it, it will be interesting to see what happens with T.J. Warren because right. the dude hasn't played basketball in a year. Mm-hmm. How he comes back if he's able to become that you know like 17, 18 points a game shooter that they need him to be. Um, if he can do that and Levert can come back and, and mesh with this team, I'm not very worried about Brogdon Sabonis contributing. I think these guys are rock solid. So yeah, yeah, I, I like I like the pieces, man. I really do. Yeah, and I do, I do too. I think when I look at it again, there's there's no holes. Like Warren seems to be that guy who could be the solid spot up shooter for the squad and also a great perimeter defender and give you buckets when you need them. Chris Levert. I think it would be your clutch scorer here, Malcolm Brogdon, your floor general. And Sabonis just being the solid all-around player of this team who essentially will probably mm-hmm. end up being the and should be the best player on the roster, but will do it in a way that you just can't really tell. Uh, Miles right. Turner, the <laughs> defensive anchor. And I think ultimately for me, the storyline to follow is Sabonis because out of all the mm-hmm. mess that Indiana has been in the last couple of years, since he's gotten there, he's gotten significantly better every single year. And last year was no was no shortage of that. It was a career year. He I call him basically the B version of Jokic, and that's complimentary. Yeah, that's Not, it's complimentary because Jokic <laughs> was the it was the MVP. The MVP. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he was a 2012 and six assists type of guy. And at 25 years old, I think I, I think this guy could continue to still grow and be that all around Swiss Army knife for from the Indiana Pacers, and maybe he touches 23 points or. Maybe he stays at 20 points with all the other scores coming on the roster. But I still think like as in terms of in terms of impact, I think it will continue, continue to grow. And, and I think he could be like essentially what Jokic is to the to the to the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. I, hey, a value Jokic is, is a great guy to have on your team. And I, who really saw Sabonis becoming <laughs> this type of star player that could really just do it all? And you can run an offense through him like that was I did not ever expect to see that. So, yeah, I mean, we, we talk about him. We talk about Randall all the time of how these point like these point forwards essentially have really come into the league and, and dominated in, in recent years. And uh, yeah, this is a great guy to build around. Just seems like a rock solid dude. Uh, yeah, I I love Sabonis, man. If, if I can draft him in a fantasy league, I'm doing it. <laughs> first round man this guy's yeah this guy's nothing but buckets it's kind of crazy he was a third rounder yeah that that is way too low <laughs> yeah <laughs> for the yeah. production this guy gives i mean yeah i i have to think this team trends up from last year i they, they have to get out of that playing tournament i really think that they're a fifth or sixth seed yeah i think so Moving on, we got the Chicago Bulls, another dark horse Eastern Conference team that mm. has made some big moves. They bring on Lonzo Ball, 23 years old, 38% from three, 15 points. Career year for Lonzo. Even though at times the fit wasn't well with the Pelicans, he made it work and still came off one of his better years. DeMar DeRozan, three years, $81 million. This was kind of a surprise signing and that mm-hmm. it felt like DeMar was sort of not really hunting for a big payday, but he ended up walking away with one from the Bulls. Derrick yeah. Jones Jr. in a trade. And then they steal the super, the superstar <laughs> fan favorite, Alex Caruso from the Lakers. Four-year, $37 million. Oh, my gosh. This one hurt, but, you know, big shout-out to Alex Caruso. He's getting his payday <laughs> at 27 years old, man. 
get the bag when you can and he's yeah. getting he's it make, from the bulls <laughs> and he's making a million more than your other boy tj mcconnell yeah he is man he's he, he's he's balling it up departures <laughs> they lose thomas stradonowski garrett temple and and thaddeus young solid players but i mean i think you bring in good replacements on the other end but basically with the dudes you're bringing in so the bulls have essentially walked away from two of their top four lottery picks and have really stretched out the, in terms of cap space out to a roster of, of guys that hopefully will fit together. I mean, a lot of these guys haven't yeah. really played, have never really played together and they all come from losing situations to be frank. Lonzo ball <laughs> yeah. has yet to see the playoffs. DeMar DeRozan has seen the playoffs in a couple of years now. Zach Levine hasn't seen the playoffs. Vucevic has seen the playoffs maybe, I think, twice in his career. He's only ever been the eighth seed. <laughs> yeah, he's only ever been the eighth seed, but they're, they've are they been bundled together, and they seem like a couple of misfits that could make some noise here for the Bulls. So looking at Lonzo at the guard, Levine at the two, DeMar at the three. Uh, the second year, Patrick Williams, I'm going to project, mm-hmm. he's probably going to start at power forward and Vucevic yeah. at, at center. Um, this, is, this is a team that's looks great on paper i think especially with vucevic who's probably been i don't know a top five center easily in the league the last couple of years but yeah. for for whatever reason when vucevic was added to the chicago bulls they they didn't really become a better team kind of just stay stagnant <laughs> so with these additions hopefully th- that addition those that pairing of levine and vucevic works a little bit better and in terms of x factor there's one guy here that I, I really think mm-hmm. is going to be keyed on, and that's Lonzo, <laughs> the health of Lonzo Ball. Oh, yeah. I think Lonzo may not be the Hall of Famer Laker reti- Laker jersey retiree that Magic Johnson proclaimed <laughs> in press conference, but that doesn't mean he's a bad player. I think Lonzo's still a really solid, above-average point guard that makes great decisions and really cares about putting putting the ball and, and his teammates in successful positions. But he can't really do that if he's not on the floor. And he's only played 55 games once in the four years he's been in the NBA. And this Chicago Bulls team with Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, two guys who love ISO basketball. I'm not sure if they love it, but it's what they've been doing most of their career. Vucevic, yeah. who's also been... Uh, you know, the pairing with him and Levine hasn't really worked out in terms of wins. I think Lonzo will be an X factor and having him on the floor will be important to make sure that this whole team runs with good cohesiveness. And of course, a lot of that will also hinge on the hinge on the coaching staff, coaching staff as well. So I still see this team trending up just because the bags opened up and there's some Mm -hmm. more talents. So I'm saying 44 wins and I think they're in the running right there for the eighth or seventh seed. Yeah, I mean, the ceiling for this team is really high, I think. I mean, mm-hmm. when, you, when you think about what Lonzo could be, when you think about what Patrick Williams could become, and right. when you think about maybe Zach Levine and Vucevic just need more time to mesh together, there's a lot of potential here on this team, and I think it's definitely something Bulls fans should be very excited about. Because kind of like the Pacers, this is a starting lineup with really no holes in it. Yeah, uh, at their best, at least. I mean, you have Lonzo, who's a pass-first point guard, to match up with the, your two ISO players, Levine and Demar. Patrick Williams as like your defensive rock, and maybe we'll see what he translates to on offense. And then Vucevic as the anchor, mm-hmm. the top five center in the league. I mean, 
how does that lose really i mean that should beat a lot of teams this year so i think there's a lot to be excited about i think that like you said the health of lonzo that that is the biggest factor um so i mean i, I don't even know who their backup i i think they still have kobe white on the team yeah it would be kobe we, white already, off the bench <laughs> yeah we already have seen that the fit between him and levine in the backcourt hasn't really worked out so far I mean, that's what they started out last year with and they just could never get that off the ground i think kobe watches too much of a scoring guard to really mm-hmm. work there so getting alonzo made a lot of sense for this team getting to rosen was was a huge surprise and i mean this team is all in now i mean th- this is all their pieces that like you said they traded away two of their former lottery picks uh marking in wendell carter jr uh they traded away future first round picks and now they're going to be cap blocked for the next few years. And they're going to have to hope that this, this team can really put something together because this was the rebuild. This is what you rebuilt towards. And this, this is what you're going all in on. So if it doesn't work now, you're, you're back. <laughs> you're, you're in a pretty dark spot a few years from now. Um, but I really do like what they've built here. I think what they've built is a playoff team more often than not. And we'll just have to see how it plays out i mean with the health but i mean that's with like with every other team but yeah yeah i i like it i really do i'm excited to watch the bulls games yeah i am as well i think if it doesn't work out then this chicago bulls franchise has to move out of chicago and it has to be replaced with another <laughs> they, one they've and disappointed just to... chicago too much yeah. <laughs> it's kind of crazy and i think that's sort of like the storyline to follow here is this franchise has gone through numerous core roster changes now starting from ever since Derek Rose left this franchise with Jimmy Butler yeah. and the guys around him then switching it over to the young to the young guns that they were running with for a year there then bringing Zach Levine and they've essentially have walked away from all those pieces now and they're still just hanging on to Patrick Williams and Kobe White being the only two lottery picks from those losing years and they have not seen the playoffs since 2016 so the Chicago Bulls are one of the most storied franchises in the NBA, one of the big pillars. So to see them in the NBA playoffs is a necessity, I think, for this franchise, for this fan base yeah. and also the league. So I really hope they can make it work. Um, they've got, some, I think when it comes to weaknesses, they got some pieces off the bench that could probably use some work. Um, but banking on Kobe White and Patrick Williams' development, and hopefully that does follow through and get this team into a good spot. and. They were two games away from making the plan, and I don't think they should be in that spot again this coming year. No. Yeah. No, they, they should be well outside the plan. I mean, a lot of teams are going to improve. Uh, I think it's going to be really hard for me to, to really power rank this Eastern Conference because you do have a lot of teams that seem like they have a lot of potential. But as far as like established good players, the Bulls have just as many of them as a lot of these other Eastern Conference teams. So... I I think six seed is very possible for them. Yeah, I think so. At forty four wins, it should put them in the running potentially. Right there, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I think forty four is reasonable. I I think they could even. I mean, man, if things really go well, I, I could see them winning like forty eight. Big game. It's <laughs> <laughs> a this is a damn good starting lineup, man. Like it, we can't sleep on this. I mean, I, the coaching staff is still crap. I mean, we know Jim yeah. Boylan is is a terrible coach, and that's really I think what's going to hold this team back. Well, but, Billy Donovan man, is in now. 
Oh, is it Billy Donovan oh, yeah. now? Yeah, oh, Billy yeah, Donovan that's, is in that's now. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I, I cannot keep track of these coaching changes, man. <laughs> <laughs> so the Bulls are good. They got Billy Donovan. I think he'll he'll like to, he'll like yeah. to play fast with Lonzo. He's so. okay. He's okay. I'm not really in love with Billy Donovan either, but you know, it is better than Boylan. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, yeah, we my got- mistake there, but yeah. Well, we're, we got your Cleveland the, Cavaliers. The now. Uh, my yeah. Cleveland Cavaliers is that <laughs> just because I made the notes on them? <laughs> I hope. I hope that's the only um, what reason you're saying it that way. Because this, I am distancing myself as far from the Cleveland Cavaliers as I can. Will not touch them with a 12 foot pole. <laughs> we'll go over these the, the sadness and more. De- I mean, we've already talked about them with the Laurie Marketing trade. I mean, that's that's the big thing for this team, but. As a whole, it's not much better. I mean, you have Laurie Markkinen. The other trade they made earlier this offseason is for Ricky Rubio. Oh. Why? Why you trade you trade Ricky Rubio? You get rid of Torian Prince shirt. Like you didn't need Torian Prince. You trade away Larry Nance Jr. in the Laurie Markkinen trade. So you have Laurie Markkinen, Ricky Rubio. You lost Larry Nance Jr. and Torian Prince. You draft Evan Mobley number three, which is really nice. That's a nice piece. You re-sign Jared Allen, and you're hoping to convince everybody that five years of Jared Allen and Evan Mobley are going to work out together side-by-side. Projected starting lineup, Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Isaac Okoro, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen. You know, it's okay. You know, I mean, Colin Sexton, he's already established himself as a good scorer in the league. Garland made very good improvements last year. Okoro... You know, <laughs> we hope he's you know developing, and then and then another big question is is, is Evan Mobley and Jared Allen going to work together, and how how does that work? Yeah, and personally, I don't see it happening. I really don't. I don't know Evan Mobley's game that well. I'm not going to consider myself an Evan Mobley expert, but this team just seems so unbalanced to me. I mean, your guards are both under 6'1", and your big men are both 7 foot. And then you have Isaac Okoro somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And that just makes matchups very difficult, especially when you have all these teams with these really good wing players, 6'5 through 6'9", Who's guarding these guys? Is Isaac Okoro guarding all of them? Like, Darius Garland is not sizing up anyone. Yeah. Like, I, I just do not understand, like, what, what they're going for here. I, I mean, this is something we've talked about for a couple of years now since they drafted Garland. It's like, you had Sexton. Why did you draft another point guard? They seem to be f- trying to force it to work still. What do you do in your offseason? You draft or you trade for another point guard, like just to back up what set both Sexton and Garland with Ricky Rubio. You need shooting guards, man. This team has no shooting guards. It has no wings except for Okoro that are worth mentioning. And you trade away Larry Nance Jr., who you could even pass up as a pass as a wing for except another seven footer in Markinen. You're going to play behind Evan Mobley and Jarrett Allen and maybe also Kevin Love. 
like this is just the most poorly constructed roster I've seen in a very long time. And I've seen some pretty bad Kings teams over the last <laughs> few years. And uh, I, I have them trending as even because they're so bad last year. I, it's hard for me to imagine they'll get any worse because I feel like Sexton and Garland should make strides forward offensively. Mobley is potentially a improvement over Larry Nance Jr., but I don't know. It's his rookie year. Maybe he doesn't play that well, and who knows how it fits together. It, nothing about this team makes any sense to me at all. And <laughs> I, I don't know if you can give me any glimmer of hope, Alan, if there's any anything that I can point to, but I, I just don't see it. I, I wasn't. I was actually going to... Say that, Are you going to keep me down here? <laughs> no, I'm going to say that there is no glimmer of hope, I think, because last year they kind of <laughs> rolled with like Jared Allen, Drummond, Kevin Love, yeah. and yep. Larry Nance. And mm-hmm. this is crazy that I just like, this is a stat I just realized about this team. This team ranked in the bottom five in field goal percentage in the paint, mid <laughs> and also ranked 27th, third to last in mid range field goal percentage and dead last in three-point percentage. So the the oh. size didn't do anything. You would think that, they no. would, that the, offensively this team would skew heavily towards obviously field goal percentage and the paint being high, but it was bad there, and it was worse somehow even further away. So, yeah, <laughs> this construction doesn't really make a lot of sense. I think it's interesting that you don't, you're not projecting Kevin Love to keep his starting lineup Spot. I can't project this guy to play. Yeah. You know, true. it's like he's making $30 million a year and he refuses to get bought out because, I mean, why would he? He's getting paid $30 million a year to do nothing. And I know he has mental health issues. I know there's some backstory there that we don't understand, but just let yourself get bought out then if this is just too much because like you're still gonna get the money but like you're eating up a roster spot on this team they could use for other things which they clearly desperately need and they bring in marking in because i feel like there's a chance they they don't think kevin love plays a game this year yeah and so they do need a backup and they really paid up for him. You had Larry Nance Jr. Like, do you really not like him that much? You thought Markkinen was such a huge upgrade over him? So, yeah, there's just... None of it makes sense. I mean, I, I really hope Evan Mobley becomes a superstar. Because that's the only way this team is getting out of the mess that it's made for itself. Yeah, and who knows if you're Darius Garland or Colin Sexton, whether how much longer you want to keep being part of this mess. I mean, those are two good <laughs> players that could essentially probably yeah. be better and, and different in another situation. Um, but somebody needs to call up the IRS because Kevin Love is collecting unemployment checks to levels we <laughs> have never seen before right now. <laughs> I mean, we thought Luol Dang was bad, man. Yeah. This is next level. Yeah, this is this is another this is way because I mean Chandler Parsons was out there collecting checks like this, but he actually mm-hmm. was injured and he at least tried to get on the right. court. I don't, I'm not sure how much effort Kevin Love is doing, but I always saw I'll, Kevin Love try to get on the court in the Olympics too, oh, and yeah. he couldn't he couldn't do it then. So it's like what like what's changing now? You know, I, I just don't I don't even think he'd help this team honestly if he was on the court. <laughs> I was gonna say in terms of trending. I have this team even in terms that 
they won 22 games last year right and they'll win 22 <laughs> games again this year 22 but, again now <laughs> but this year will be 82 games so you know. oh yeah so it is worse <laughs> it is worse yeah so even only oh, in the sense man. that it's the same number yeah but... same wins less well, yeah same wins more losses <laughs> yeah more losses that's oh, what i have man. happening for the cavaliers this 22 just, games this is just just doesn't make sense i would not know how, this would be a nightmare to coach Spo- yeah. i don't know who the coaches of the Cavs either who is the coach so of the i think Cavs? At, at this point who are the Cavs going to be the worst eastern conference team in the league or is or do the magic are the magic still in the running for that the pistons still have a pretty good shot (laughs) like yeah who who else you have down there the magic 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 could be pretty awful yeah i mean a lot of people are oddly high on jonathan isaac becoming a star i don't get it so he's coming back but yeah Yeah, from like that much of a difference maker there's no way he does that much yeah, Magic are down there for sure. I haven't looked enough into the other teams to really know who else is down there. But <laughs> yeah, I, I would say the Cavs have a very, very good shot at being the worst team in the East and potentially the whole league. I mean, now OKC still got a good stranglehold on that, but Cavs definitely bottom three. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> no question. Oh, man. What so about the sad. Pistons here? Yeah, yeah. To 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 make a sad story even sadder, let's round out the Central Division with with the Pistons, who I guess you could say have a glimmer of hope, if in nothing else, but getting that number one overall pick in Cade Cunningham. I mean, when you get the number one overall pick, you gotta hope that you know that's the next LeBron James, right? You, you mm-hmm. gotta have that tiny sliver of hope that you just drafted a guy that's gonna be a franchise changer for the next decade at least. And we'll, we'll see what he becomes. And, and the other additions they brought in, they're okay. Uh, Kelly Olynyk on a three-year, $37 million deal. Trey Lyles comes in as well. And they lose pretty, you know, unimportant players. Wayne Ellington, Dennis Smith Jr., Mason Plumlee. Um, and then they resign a bunch of guys. I don't really know why. <laughs> another Another case of not really having the opportunity to get anybody else because no one else wants to play for the Pistons. So you've re-signed Hamadou Diallo, Rodney Magruder, my favorite player, Corey Joseph, Frank Jackson, Saban Lee. And you ha- if you haven't listened to this podcast before, I do not like Rodney Magruder. He's not my favorite player. <laughs> so you re-sign like five of these random dudes to be your bench players. <laughs> whoop freaking do I mean, <laughs> there's nothing there worth mentioning. And so you have this very odd starting lineup. Maybe not as odd as the Cavs one, but right off the bat, you have Killian Hayes and Cade Cunningham as your backcourt, which that is two point guards essentially, but maybe Cade can play different positions because he's he's pretty tall. Um, you got Sadiq Bey, small forward, Jeremy Grant, and then promising rookie Isaiah Stewart at center. Had a very good rookie season for them last year, and he, he's really, I think... Isaiah Stewart, I think, is going to do a lot more for this team than I think people are going to give him credit for before the season starts. At the second half of the season, when they started playing Isaiah Stewart, because I don't know whether Mason Plumlee was hurt or they just wanted to see what the rookie had, he was putting up some very good numbers for this team. Very efficient, very solid play. 
And so for me, I think if Isaiah Stewart can become that double-double machine, just rock solid for the, for this team as their anchor, that is going to help their win total quite a bit. And not to the point where I think this is a playoff team, but at least gets them a step forward. But I think the big thing, too, is how are Killian Hayes and Cade going to play together? Yeah. And at what point do the Pistons just give up on Killian Hayes? Because he didn't really do anything that exciting last year he was hurt for a very long period of time he came back and he didn't do anything spectacular so at what point are you like you know what we gotta just let Cade be the primary ball handler Killian you can back him up as well as like our other three point guards that we re-signed with Frank Jackson Corey Joseph and Saban Lee I don't know why they re-signed so many point guards but you gotta let Cade do his thing and then, yeah, it, it, Killian just might not have a spot on this team. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, this ha- this is going to be the Kate Cunningham show, and yeah. Isaiah Stewart and, and Jeremy Grant are going to be the co-stars here. But Killian Hayes, I mean, I think he showed some glimpses of being a solid player towards the end there when he was able to finally get on the court, and I think he had a solid summer league. But at the end of the day, I think Kate Cunningham is the better player. He he looks like the stronger player, and he was the first pick. He was there for good reason. Yeah. So I think if the Pistons want to move their franchise forward, I think it's imperative that they let Kate Cunningham take the keys. Maybe you play this lineup for a bit, but it just does seem a little redundant and unnecessary. And I think at the end of the day, it's going to be Kate Cunningham and Killian Hayes coming off the bench or. I don't think he gets traded this year, but potentially there will be, you know, maybe exploratory, an exploratory phase of seeing what you could get for Killian Hayes next summer. Um, but yeah, I think Kate Cunningham is definitely going to be the guy. Yeah. And it'll be cool to see him operate. I mean, there, he's going to have every opportunity in the world. There's mm-hmm. no one on this team that's going to take the looks from him. And yeah, unfortunately it's like as a franchise, you're like, we, drafted killer killian hayes as a lottery pick just a year ago and i'm sure that's a tough pill to swallow to be like well i mean are we just giving up on him that easily like maybe he still can become something i mean the kid's still super young but when you have a guy like Cade cunningham it's like are you really gonna let killian hayes operate your offense like that just doesn't seem very smart so yeah i think i think ultimately like while this is like I think the most likely starting lineup to start the season, I could see it where Killian Hayes is coming off the bench and they do start just like Cade Cunningham and Frank Jackson, for all mm-hmm. I know. You know, so yeah, there's there's gonna be a lot of questions for this team and, and Cade Cunningham's gonna have to answer all of them. Yeah. Um so where yeah. do we see this team landing you in terms of wins next year? Uh, slightly up. I mean, they what? They went twenty games last year. Yeah, I have to think that adding Cade Cunningham <laughs> translates to a few more wins, <laughs> and a few being like still less than thirty. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I I think high twenties, high twenties would be fair. a good start. You know, so yeah, I mean, Kelly Olynyk is a good piece. I mean, he he can put up some good numbers, so maybe get some contribution there. They didn't really lose anything meaningful. So, yeah, it's, it's a step. It's a step in the right direction. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it at 25. They won 20 last year. A couple more games added oh, to the man. schedule. I'll win a couple here. K 
couple more here. It's just here. so brutal when you're like, I, we had the number one pick and we won five more games. Like, that is just, that is just sad. <laughs> so here's a crazy stat here, I guess, to get some glimmer of hope also to some of the guys on this roster. You know, you got okay. Sadiq Bey, yeah. Dalio, uh, Corey Joseph, Lin Lee. I mm -hmm. mean, they're not like any superstar names, but they do have the chance to be, I think, solid role players. I think sure. one of those names is Sadiq Bey, first rookie to shoot 38% per, from three-point land. Yeah, um, he was ever. decent. So Wow, that's, that's actually very ball. surprising. <laughs> I didn't that's realize that. That's the best three-point shooting rookie ever? Yeah, to shoot 38% on at least 400 three-point attempts. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, you, you could say ever. Right. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. That's, yeah, that, that's impressive you know i'll give him that i, I think sadiq bay had a very good rookie season him and isaiah stewart both mm -hmm. I and mean, they both they both outshone killian hayes by a long shot so yeah not bad yeah see where it goes for the pistons but Can you want to change it to 26 wins now <laughs> i think that gets them one more maybe yeah yeah let's go 26 i'll lock it in there's not much hey. to lose there <laughs> So let's Excellent. go final thoughts here to close the podcast mm. up. Central You'll Division preview. One, huh? Here <laughs> we, we go. Love talking to Our guy Narlins Noel <laughs> makes his way back into the podcast. Every <laughs> every time we close off the offseason, we always gotta check in on where Narlins uh. Noel is, is with his money. And we concluded that he's on a good pace to make up for that contract he turned down, but it was gonna take him a lot longer than he thought. <laughs> well, than he thought, but he's thinking on on of a way to getting <laughs> it back to even make it quicker. All yeah, he must have heard our podcast and been like, <laughs> yeah. "You guys are right. I got to figure out a way to do it even quicker." So the so Ronald Noel is suing Rich Paul and Clutch Sports for the fifty eight million dollars in lost income. Uh, the big the big thing in his case is is he lost on that money due to the in, the inappropriate and bad unfair way that Rich Paul treated him. As a client, <laughs> essentially, he blames Rich Rich Paul for uh, convincing him to turn down to fire his agent, turn down the four year seventy million dollar deal that he had pending with the Dallas Mavericks, hire him, and take a bet on himself and wait a couple uh, wait till that off season to see if he could get more money in the in the off season market. Yeah, and of course, in hindsight, we know that didn't work out. Nons Noel got injured. But he wasn't really offered the money he he thought he was going to. And I think even now we see that maybe he never really was that type of player, at least not with the way things played out. Mm -hmm. um, so now he's going back to Rich Paul and suing him and essentially blaming him for losing <laughs> money on him. And I mean, there were some interesting things in the story, not an interesting in the way that I think he's got a case, maybe not a legal <laughs> case, but he's got a case in that. It sounds like Rich Paul was sort of the agent that lost interest in him, sort of saw him more as a lower tier client, therefore took less of his time. And really, he focused more on his bigger clients. Didn't really follow up with Narlins Noel, wasn't really following up with teams who wanted to negotiate a deal for Narlins Noel. And as a result, some deals that he could have had were lost or were just never really even discussed. Um so Rich Paul sounds like essentially dropped the bag big time as as his agent. The question is whether that's a legal case. In my eyes, I don't think Norton Noel has a legal case here. I mean, I'm not <laughs> an expert or a lawyer, but it sounds to me like, man, you just kind of took decisions from the wrong people and 
Maybe at this mm-hmm. birthday party you were at, you both had a couple more drinks and you committed to something. <laughs> probably shouldn't have committed to over drinks. And ultimately, it, to me, the I take the I think this is has a nastier side, and that Narns Noel is essentially just trying to 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 step on Rich Paul's name by putting this case mm-hmm. out there and putting it in the press and really just trying to do as much damage as he can to Rich Paul and and, and from a PR sort of word of mouth perspective rather than a legal one. But those are my thoughts. What do you think, Sean? <laughs> yeah, I agree with you on a lot of those points. I think that a lot of this is just to publicly shame Rich Paul for the damage that he caused him. And there really isn't a case here for Nerlens. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. Like this was your decision to fire your agent, to listen to Rich Paul, to put your trust in him. That's not a criminal charge. That's just bad business on your part. And it's a bad business decision. You lost out on $58 million over the last four years. And maybe you could claim negligence and malpractice with Rich Paul not answering the phone for a lot of these teams that were interested in Nerlens over the the last few years. But those teams were not gonna offer you anywhere near that four-year $70 million either. Mm -hmm. So maybe at the end of the day, the case you could be made is most strong in that point. And (laughs) it actually reminds me of a a pretty funny scene from uh, the show Parks and Rec when Jeremy Jam's suing Ron Swanson for like punching him in the face (laughs) and he sues him for like 40 like tens of millions of dollars and for like emotional damages yeah and they're like that this case is ridiculous and he's like maybe but i'm not gonna win nothing (laughs) so (laughs) this could be that where it's like hey maybe you don't get 58 million dollars but if you could get like 10 million that's, that's good. still a big win right <laughs> yeah. five mil anything really if you get anything from this case where you're not having to pay your lawyers more than you actually won sure it's a win you might as well but yeah it's just i'm sorry Nerland. i'm glad that you're getting a good bag with new york now after you fired clutch sports and you actually have a, a different agent you actually got the best deal you've gotten since then mm-hmm. uh, i'm happy for you for that and that you you earned your way to that but I'm sorry, man. This this is not gonna go the way you think it is. <laughs> yeah, but I do like your perspective of like, well, if I can at least get ten percent of that number, yeah, that's still pretty good. <laughs> yes, that's a lot of money still. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least for me. Well, we'll see. We'll see where it goes with Nas Noel, but he left Clutch Sports in 2020, and uh, he's now on to a different deal. And I'm not sure if you saw this, but Kendrick Perkins was shot some tweets out defending Rich Paul and. Oh well responded with a classic with a classic clown emoji no (laughs) words just emojis Uh, man how many players think kendrick perkins is just a big clown like i have to think that they just think he's just a blabber man like he's just spewing a bunch of nonsense (laughs) he's like yeah he's like this b version of stephen a smith just being dramatic yeah it's like a stephen a disciple yeah exactly well Shout out to Narlins. Hopefully you things work out for you and we'll keep <laughs> we'll keep in touch with this story. But <laughs> this saga never ends. Yeah, but next week we'll come back with some more division previews. I think we'll so we'll stay on the Eastern Conference. I think we'll swing where yeah. we'll, you think Atlantic yeah. Division or something. 
Yeah, we could do that. I, I wouldn't mind, you know, switching between east and west. Oh, we could but, go west. Yeah, we'll, we'll 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 keep it interesting. We'll we'll surprise we'll surprise everybody. Yeah, mystery episode next. It one. won't be the Pacific Division. It the won't Pacific be. Division is always last. Yeah, we gotta save the best for last. We'll be breaking oh, yeah. down that one at the end. Best. Yeah, one of the better divisions, of course, from our perspective, mm-hmm. bias, but. We'll break that one down last, but mystery episode on which division we break down next week, but we'll be previewing teams now until the start of the NBA season. So thanks everybody for tuning in and don't forget to tune in week in and week out. Yes, sir. Have a good week, everybody.